At the weekend, Turkish voters head to the polls to elect their president and parliament. The ruling AKP, led by President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, is trying to frame the election as a contest between Sunni Islam and Western liberalism or even deviance. But is it working? Dr Isan Yilmaz is professor at Deakin University and an expert in Turkish politics. The Islamist ruling party is framing this election as a battle between Muslims and non-Muslims, enemies of Islam. But the opposition actually is composed of six opposition parties led by the pro-Western secular Republican People's Party, which is the founder of Turkey 100 years ago. But then there are several Islamist parties in the opposition as well. The main opposition party, Republican People's Party, also includes many practicing Muslims. And they keep saying that they will respect the rights of every religious person in the country and every citizen in the country, and they will not scale back any rights given to practicing Muslims in Turkey. Yes, the campaign of the ruling party is about religion and actually they are saying that the opposition is actually a national security threat because they are working with enemies of Islam. They are working with crusader Western powers that hate Islam. Yeah, Isan, I noticed that President Erdogan has been accusing his opponents of being sexual deviants and in the control of, uh, you know, I think he said LGBTQ activists. How realistic, though, is this accusation? Because even if the Republican Party, which is now a social democratic party, were to win, Turkey would still be a comparatively restrained and conservative country. Is it really a, a realistic accusation? It is not. It is definitely not. About 70% of Turkey's society are still religious. And about 50% of Muslim adult males go to Friday prayers every Friday. And about 60-70% of the people in Turkey fast during Ramadan. So it is a religious country. And there are LGBT groups in Turkey. And during the AKP period, actually, because of the pro-European Union reforms, many LGBT associations have been established. The AKP allowed them, but because it's an election, similar to religion issue, the AKP has been trying to frame the opposition as deviants and saying that the opposition is LGBT, CHP is LGBT, the other opposition parties LGBT. So they've been talking about these issues every day, almost every day, not only Erdogan, but also his ministers. But actually, that's not a big concern in Turkish society. But Erdogan is trying to consolidate his own religious electoral base by using this tactic. Yeah, we've done a lot of work on President Erdogan and his religious beliefs. What do we know about the interesting religious identity of his main challenger, Kamal Kilish Daroglu, who is the leader of the opposition coalition? What do we know about his religious background? He belongs to Alevi sect, which is non-Sunni. This is different from Shia. Some people think that it is Shia, but it is actually different. It is a sort of Turkic religion from Central Asia. So it is more, I would say, secular, more pro-nature. 
it doesn't really have a religious hierarchy and it is heterodox. It is not an orthodox religion. But Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu has been to a great extent not hiding, but he is not really underlining his religious identity because of the unfortunately misperceptions in Turkish society, especially among the rural Sunni sections. And these are mostly the AKP supporters at the moment. They think that they are deviant, they are perverts, etc. So Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu hasn't been underlining this. And he talked about this in the past. So he was not really hiding it. And Erdogan was asking him several times, look, I'm a Sunni, I can say this openly. Why don't you tell people that you are an Alevi, etc.? Because he knows that in the perception, in the minds of his voters... Sunnis, Alevis are terrible people. So he's been trying to frame this. But if you look at Alevism, they are, I would say, more liberal in the sense. So gender equality, for instance, is more prominent in them. They are pro-arts. But because of the Ottoman history, unfortunately, there were massacres committed against them. So mostly in society, they wouldn't openly talk about their identity. Yeah. The Alevi, though, are not an insignificant group. Yes, I'm not sure about this number, but it is definitely more than 10%. It is between 10 and 15%, which is significant number of society. But regardless of their numbers... They are Turkish citizens and there are not different classes of citizenship in Turkey. So everybody is a first class citizen in Turkey. But in most cases, unfortunately, this is just on paper and in practice, they've been discriminated against. And in the past, several AKP politicians said that we managed to keep Alevis out of the state. Look, we don't have any Alevi governors and so on. So they've been posting about this. Isan, the Kurdish question is one of these perennial questions in Turkish politics. Erdogan's main ally in his government is an anti-Kurdish party, but the opposition also has, I think it's called the Good Party, and it is, let us say, not sympathetic to the Kurdish cause. Is there any chance of the Kurdish issue ever being resolved? Hopefully, but not in the short term. The E-Party, the Good Party, they are Turkish nationalists, but compared to the other nationalist party, which is an ally of Erdogan, the E-Party is more pro-Western, more city-urban-based, so they are more democratic in a sense. But because they are Turkish nationalists, yes, they are not happy with the Kurdish opposition, but it is difficult to say that they are enemies of Kurds or they don't like Kurds, but they are a little bit hesitant because of these paranoia around the Turkish religious and ethnic minorities. They are afraid that the Western powers are trying to divide and rule Turkey. They are supporting all these minorities. There is this paranoia and anxiety in Turkey. This has been the case for decades, unfortunately. But I don't think if CHP the the main opposition party, if they come to power and if they want to democratize Turkish society, I don't think the EU party would oppose it. But I don't think either that there will be some radical changes. Mm. But more democracy will mean that Kurds will have more rights. But I think this will be a gradual progress. Just finally, Isan, you mentioned earlier the way that Erdogan has 
tried to use Islam as a foreign policy issue in this election. What is the story with Sweden and the Quran? Because that keeps coming up in this election, doesn't it? Yes, that keeps coming up. And just there was a report a few days ago saying that this was a part of Russian influence operation abroad, the Russian sharp power. So it is different from soft power. It is different from hard power. So Russia has been using this misinformation and disinformation campaigns to manipulate democratic public spheres, especially in the West. So they've been encouraging these Islamophobic guys to just go and burn Quran and attack Tayyip Erdogan and so on, so that the, the Turkish public is against Sweden's membership of the NATO. But this didn't really have an impact in Turkey among the Turkish public. They did not really bother about this, so Erdogan couldn't really benefit from a lot. He was very happy. Of course, he didn't say that he was happy. He said, look, they're attacking our Quran. And because he presents himself as the defender of the faith, defender of Islam against all these enemies, especially Western powers. So this was a great opportunity for him. But I think people in Turkey are getting used to it. So many people in Turkey actually didn't bother about this. So he couldn't really benefit from this incident in Sweden. Professor Isan Yilmaz of Deakin University. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.